Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipschutz, and I am an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York, on the other line in Los Angeles, is the Scarlett Johansson to my John Travolta, Keith Caulfield. How's it going, Keith? Don't touch me. <laughs> you could be the Adina Menzel to my John Travolta. I'm, I'm, I'm just, doing my sultry Scarlett Johansson voice. One of my favorite things to do is just touch Keith's face. So to, to like be this... like, as someone said on Twitter, like, <laughs> "Hey, John Travolta is doing like the like a great impersonation of like your uncle on ecstasy at the family reunion." <laughs> just like, let me feel your nose, please, on live television. I'm getting your name right, except now I'm touching you. <laughs> <laughs> what's worse like wh- what would you rather have happen to you would you rather have john travolta mispronounce mispronounce your name in front of like a huge performance or, or would you me? rather have him touch your face well it depends on how he's touching well <laughs> no i don't I just, do i get a pass on both i mean at this point like is he gonna come like is it gonna be like we're, we're talking about the academy awards i'm sure you guys know what we're talking about um, i kind of hope can we can this be a yearly thing where it's like <laughs> Next year, Adina Menzel and John Travolta come out, and he just like I, I don't even know her. what he would do. Like, I yeah, he I guess he would have to like like trip her on stage or something like that. To be, it's just it's getting worse. They, they, John, they, stop it. They they anyway. sing "You're the One That I Want," but he gets the lyrics wrong, and then Olivia Newton-John yeah. comes out, and then it's just like John, <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know what accent that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the accent that is either. Anyway, Keith, uh, welcome to this week's Pop Shop Podcast. We have, as always, a ton to talk about. We are going to be talking about uh, The weekend. Uh, who has a top 10 hit on the Hot 100, Imagine Dragons debuting at number one on our albums chart. The Oscar bumps, we'll go back to the Oscar bumps. Uh, Lady Gaga kind of killing it with her Sound of Music medley at the Oscars. We have some cool soon-to-be hits this week. We're going to be talking about the Selena Gomez Z single. And we have a special interview with pop rising star Tori Kelly, who stopped by actually just a couple hours ago to the Pop Show podcast to talk about her new single, Nobody Love, her forthcoming debut album, which was executive produced by Max Martin, and much more. Uh, before we start, a few housekeeping notes. If you like the show, subscribe to us on iTunes or give us a rating and review We always appreciate that kind of feedback. Subscription means that you'll never miss an episode, which who would ever want to miss an episode of this? You you never want to. Um, As well as uh, if you have any questions for us, find us on Twitter. I am at Jason Lipschutz. He is at Keith underscore Caulfield. It's really succinct. It's really short. Keith underscore Caulfield. You know, I didn't really think about that when I got my Twitter handle, you know, so many years ago. I'm like, oh, it should be shorter because I was trying for Keith Caulfield, but someone already had that. And I thought, really? Somebody already had at Keith Caulfield? Yeah. And and he hasn't like really tweeted in years. Um, Oh, lame. And and I thought, what about Keithers? Because that's my domain name. And then that was already taken. I'm like, all right, fine. Keith underscore Caulfield. And I I didn't really put it together at the time how many characters that took up and how annoying that might be. But it's fine. I digress. It's totally fine. Uh, Just a a quick 
Thank you once again to everyone uh, who contributed to last week's podcast. We had an Ask the Pop Shop where we took a bunch of Twitter questions, and that was a lot of fun last week. So thanks again to that. Keith, are you ready to get this week's show on the road? No, but no? okay, sure. Yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed <laughs> to say. Like, no, I'm not ready. Of course I'm ready. All right, Hot 100, Uptown Funk, still number one. And we, we've kind of glossed over it as we do when a song just kind of keeps going at number one for weeks and weeks and weeks. Not much left to say about it. It's been number one for eight weeks now. And Keith, let's check back in on this Bruno Mars, Mark Bronson song. How long, what, what do you think about this? How long could it stay there? Is it losing any steam? Like, what is, is it going to keep going 9, 10, 11 weeks? What do you think, man? Yeah, all those things. I mean, well, no, it's not all those things. It's not losing steam. I thought it was losing steam last week. It was down a little bit. This week, it's up 2% in hot up. 100 That's points. crazy. Yeah, so it's still like like tens of thousands of points uh, because the Hot 100 is compiled using points uh it's kind of complicated but anyway it's tens of thousands of points ahead of the number two song um and yeah so i don't really see it like subsiding anytime soon of course anything is possible especially when you look at titles below number two uh you know like say the fast rising ellie goulding song love me like you do um it has a big gain but still it's like 49, 59, 60, it's like 30,000 points. It's like thousands and that. It's like so far behind that like it would take like a really, really, really big jump in the next two weeks for it to like overtake yeah. number one. So I think it's going to sit tight for the next couple of weeks. So you mentioned Ellie Goulding, uh, Love Me Like You Do, moves up to number three now. Ellie has never had a number one hit, I believe. I think Lights topped out at number two. Yes. If, if memory serves me well. Yep, you're correct. So we shall see uh, another song. This So it, what's crazy is that there are two songs now from the 50 shades of gray soundtrack in the top 10 because love me like you do was already there now the weekends earned it joins it in the top 10 uh, moving up three spots to number nine this week and keith let, let's talk about this a little bit how much is that number nine posting which is which is really impressive for you know the weekend he's never had a top 10 solo hit before he had a number seven hit with ariana grande a couple months ago with love me harder this is his first top 10 hit alone. I, I mean, how much is this due to, you know, just the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack doing really well? People streaming it on Spotify, people buying the songs in iTunes. What, you know, can you kind of break that down a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's it's all those things. I'm looking at its breakdown right now um, on the, the... I'm looking in our computer database. And um, it actually is doing... It, it, it's not really doing huge numbers at radio yet, whereas um, Ellie Goulding is probably doing like three times better at radio. Yeah. Um, the Weeknd is profiting more from streams of the song as well as sales of the song. So it's more of a streaming and sales phenomenon um, as opposed to airplay, which isn't that surprising um, because The Weeknd um, hasn't really had like huge like top 40 radio hits, um, more of a sort of cool, non-commercial type artist. Yeah. Um, so, you know, clearly, you know, the way the Hot 100 is compiled uh, in the past few years has has greatly enhanced the fortunes of an artist like The Weeknd who can have a top 10 hit um, without huge, huge radio support. I mean, radio is playing it, but it's just not playing it as much as, say, yeah. the rest of the songs on top 10. In fact, it actually has, if you look at all the top 10 songs right now on the Hot 100, it has the smallest amount of radio points. So it's like the least played song on the radio among the songs in the top 10 this week. Yeah, which make which makes sense. Makes sense. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, Keith, you kind of alluded to it a little bit. He, the weekend, kind of a cool artist, uh, quote unquote. I, I mean, this guy's career just fascinates me. People kind of forget that, you know, four years ago, which is uh, sort of a long time, but not that long of a time. He he came out with his uh, debut mixtape, House of Balloons. Wasn't really photographed uh, for press. Didn't really do that many interviews. Kind of lived in secrecy. And has slowly but surely become this kind of commercial force where he's able to, you know, his his last album, Kiss, landed pretty well on the Billboard 200 chart. Like like I mentioned before, Ariana Grande, that duet, Love Me Harder, was a top 10 hit. And um, I know that, you know, Earned It is, is going to continue to stoke anticipation for his next album, which I think is coming out pretty soon. It hasn't been announced yet, but... I would expect that before the summer, maybe uh, sometime in the in the coming months. But yeah, man, I, I I'm the weekend is just a is an in, interesting guy to me. Yeah, you know, I, I I have something related to the weekend, but it's more about the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack. Okay, that I'd like to talk about if you don't mind. And and Jason has no idea what I'm about to talk about. I have no idea. You have no idea because we haven't prepared this part. Um, there's two songs from the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack in the top ten on the Billboard Hot 100 this week. How unusual is that, Jason, to have one soundtrack have two songs How in the top 10? How unusual is that? How unusual is that? Well, it's it's fairly unusual. We don't have like super specific uh, research on this just quite yet. Um, but there haven't been that many songs that have had, or ha- that many albums, that many soundtracks that have had two top 10s at the same time, like concurrent top 10s. Um, I'm, I just did some quick research uh, yesterday uh, kind of eyeballing uh, the charts in the past to see what other soundtracks might have managed this feat. Uh, so some of them include uh, Space Jam, uh, which you, hell yeah, I think it's one of your favorite uh, movies. I believe and soundtracks. I can. I believe I can fly. Of yeah. course. Um, at one point, I think uh, I believe I can fly from R. Kelly and Seals Fly Like an Eagle. Fly Like an Eagle. Yeah. We're both in the top ten. I think there might have been another uh, song uh, from the album in the top ten as well, which I don't quite remember. Um. Oh wait. Hit him high. Mon- Monstars anthem did no, pretty well. Not that one. Uh, Monica's for you. I will also went top ten. At the same time as R. Kelly, and okay. for you, I will was from was from Space Jam as well. Um, some others, uh, Reality Bites actually had two songs in the top ten. Oh yeah, um, I think it was Baby I Love Your Way, the cover um, that Big Mountain did, yeah. and I think Lisa Loeb's Stay might have been in the top ten at the same time. Um, and then some other really obvious ones that people listening probably are thinking of right now: Grease, uh, Saturday Night Fever, Footloose. Uh, dirty dancing and flash dance um yep. those are just those are just a handful i mean there there could be more um but i think it's really interesting to sort of think about the 50 shades of gray soundtrack in the same breath as those soundtracks in terms of having like you know generating hits it's um, true because i would never think of 50 shades of gray in the same thought as say flash dance grease <laughs> or grease you know it just doesn't really compute but it's it's kind of amazing what Fifty Shades of Grey has done in terms of um, both selling albums and also generating hit singles. Yeah, you you think about some of the biggest soundtracks in the last twenty years, uh, two that come to mind: Frozen and Titanic. And both of those songs had huge hits, but only one hit each. The Celine Dion song "My Heart Will Go On" from Titanic, "Let It Go" obviously from Frozen, and they so Fifty Shades of Grey. What? Keith, you're saying is that it's it's unusual that not only I mean neither the weekend song nor the Ellie Goulding song will probably be as big as either of those hits, but um, together I, I mean they're they're really helping 
to power the soundtrack, which, and, and let's just go right to it, the, uh, the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack is continuing to sell well on the Billboard 200, as is uh, Drake's, uh, if you're reading this, it's too late, their uh, number, Drake is number two, Fifty Shades of Grey, number three, respectively. Um, yeah, man, I mean, they're both in their second week, they're, they're still selling over 150,000 copies, or at least uh, album equivalent units, Yeah, I so say. I was like, ah, no, wait, Jason, no, it's album Caught equivalent myself, man. units. It's okay, we're all getting used to the lingo. Um, yeah, Drake is number two, uh, with, if you're reading this, it's too late, did 187,000 units last week, of which 129,000 were actual album sales. And then the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack falls two to three with 165,000 units of that 115,000 were traditional album sales. Yeah, and they're both behind uh, the number one debut, Imagine Dragons, Smoke and Mirrors. They earn their first number one album. Uh, the Their uh, debut album, Night Visions, debuted at number two a couple years ago, and now they're at number one. Congrats to those guys. They were on Billboard's cover a couple weeks ago. Check that out on Billboard.com. And uh, Key, let's talk about this for a sec. Smoke and Mirrors, uh, 172,000 in pure album sales. And we'll talk about Imagine Dragons in a second, but this is kind of uh, the uh, the third or fourth or fifth, may, I, I don't have you know, a list in front of me, uh, really strong album debut of 2015 so far. It's It's been like seven or eight weeks, and there's been a lot of you know surprisingly pretty big debuts well i mean is is this really that strong i mean really is it uh, is it uh, i mean i mean i don't mean that in sort of a i mean I, I, to me anything over one hundred fifty thousand <laughs> at this point yeah true at this point is is pretty darn good i mean i guess i was expecting uh imagine dragons to be bigger um you know, because their their first album did two and a half million. Yeah, it has never left the chart. It has been in the top one hundred for every single one of its one hundred and twenty nine weeks, except for just two. Um, it generated three top twenty hits on the Hot One Hundred chart. Um, I mean, they they have this they have this great track record. I think, though, um, in my mind, um, I need to sort of you know put it into a different frame of reference where you have to think of how they're still a fairly kind of anonymous band in many ways to i yeah. think the general public who who like their hits and like their sound and and enjoyed them on the radio and maybe saw them in concert but they they don't have that kind of um sort of x factor kind of thing happening i mean maybe it's kind of like you know when hooting the blowfish's second album came out it was like Ooh. oh no, no, no. But not, <laughs> that's funny not i mean it's um think i'm trying to think of it this way you know you you have those those kinds of rock bands that percolate for a long time with their first album um like foster the people or um phoenix if, uh, yeah. not their not their first album but uh you know you same have, kind of thing they had their main they had their main mainstream moment right you know they, they have, kind of have to follow that up they have a breakthrough album that lasts for like a year and a half or two years on the charts they generate a couple hit singles um you know the the album does well it sells like a million copies or more and then the next album comes out and it has a big first week or you know a sizable first week and then it drops quickly because there's not enough uh, fans to sustain the sales into the second, third, fourth, and continuing weeks. So I don't think that's going to necessarily happen with Imagine Dragons, though, it, you know, because it starts fairly well, but it's it's not starting as big as Drake. And you think, well, gee whiz, two and a half million people bought your last album. Why did only 
170, 172,000 of them show up in their first week, especially in light of the fact that they had that huge Target commercial that aired during the Grammy Awards. That was a four-minute commercial during a commercial break. And that they had a special Target exclusive that, that was carried at the store with bonus yeah. tracks. So it doesn't compute completely in my head, but at the same time, I also have to step back and say, you know, Imagine Dragons is not a first-week artist. It is about the long haul. That's exactly true. Yeah. It is about how, how they do you know, in the next 12 to 16 months. Also not working for them, the first single is not exactly like blowing up the world. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it did well at Alternative Radio, but it's just getting started at Top 40 Radio, which is kind of odd um, how, how slow the song is uh, getting off to a start here. Yeah. And I think this debut, which I, I, I would still argue because of that uh, kind of soft opening for I Bet My Life, um, I, I think that this debut is actually pretty impressive. I think it, a lot of it is owed to a kind of halo effect from Night Visions. People really like those songs, Radioactive and Demons, and, and um, it's time and, and they want to you know check out what Imagine Dragons will do. Next, I, I agree with you though that it's it's going to be about, uh, about the long game for them. Are, are are you are you surprised at all that Imagine Dragons, after selling two and a half million copies, sold one hundred and seventy two thousand in their first week, whereas Fallout Boy, who did less with their last album, starts with started with one hundred and ninety two thousand in their first week a couple weeks ago. Yeah, no, I, I'm not surprised at all, actually, because I think that Fall Out Boy has more of a track record. True. The, th- the thing that's working for Fall Out Boy is that they have fans of their mid-2000s stuff, like, you know, diehard fans, but they also have kind of the new fans that have jumped on board when they came back in 2013 that, you know, want to, you know, really like save rock and roll and really want to get with what they're doing now they have they have that um that legacy of people who want to buy a full album you know they have like exactly this, they have this core diehard fan base that have been with them for like you know a decade or more whereas imagine dragons it's not quite the same thing notably just want to point out save rock and roll fallout boys last album has sold seven hundred twenty-eight thousand. their next album did bigger in its first week than Imagine Dragons, which did two and a half million with their last album. So again, it's yeah. it's about it's it, on the surface they're both rock bands, but at the same time they're very very different artists. Yeah, and I think that it, it's it, the last thing I, I want to say about this is that it, it's worth pointing out that Imagine Dragons they had a number two debut uh, last time out with Night Visions, and a lot of people saw that as surprising because you know that they were still only really known for the song it's time at that point and then their second single radioactive was the one that that kind of i, I believe it didn't it break the record for weeks spent on the hot 100 it, does it still it, it eventually broke that right re- that yeah we talked about that on the podcast last year how it how it owned that record of longest week spent uh longest uh, longest number of weeks excuse me spent on the hot 100 so hey you never know maybe the second single of this imagine dragon song will, will catch on even more than i bet my life um keith Let's talk about Oscars, man. <laughs> yes. Before we before we start talking about the the sales bumps and stuff, what did you think of the show? Um. Well, I didn't see the entire thing. I think I stepped away for a chunk in the middle, um, as probably a lot of people do. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Hot take. Was there was there was there he something? Spe- I don't know. It was a couple days ago. Was there something specific that you wanted me to address? No, I I think you know a lot of people thought that it was boring. It's it's always long. It's always kind of boring, just in terms of the amount of awards they give out. I I will say that I really thought that it deserved a little bit more praise in terms of the music 
um, factor in terms of livening up the show. And, you know, you can you could argue that some of the musical uh, segments could have been cut. Maybe, you know, you didn't need like we a didn't whole need the in memoriam song. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, God love Jay hud Jennifer Hudson's wonderful. But we really but, need a song from Smash that no one knows to accompany the in memoriam tribute. No, man, it was it was so funny um, on Twitter, like when she was performing that song, the, the real Smash fans being exposed <laughs> because people would be like, what? And me included, I was like, what is this song? And then I would see like two or three people on my timeline being like, oh, this is the song from Smash. I was like, oh, okay. You're a, you're a Smash fan. All right. I had no idea. It's the most <laughs> um, random. I mean, I don't, it's just, they, I, I, you know, on the one hand, you get the, the concept of how the producers of the show want to make the show entertaining. They know that the audience at home is, is sort of captive and they need to give them variety. Yeah. But is this the right kind of variety? Could that slot have been more effectively used? Could you have just trimmed four and a half, five minutes, six minutes from the show? I mean, that's a very long, because you have like the whole slideshow of, of the people that passed away last year combined with, you know, a three minute performance. It's it's a good chunk of time, you know, whereas Lady Gaga's performance, at the beginning of that, I'm like, oh boy. Like, where is this going to go? Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, it just, because, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. You know, Lady Gaga was announced, but we didn't know what she was going to be performing. And then, you know, you know, Scarlett Johansson introduces, you know, the segment. And I'm like, oh, God, how's this going to, oh, never mind. She's great. And, you know, as, as you pointed out in your story online about how Gaga has reminded everyone that, yes, indeed, she can sing. And it's kind Whoa, of a Whoa, you read, you read one of my stories? Um, well, I read some of it. Wait, did you read? Did you read my entire interview with RuPaul this week? Of course, it did. It Shut was amazing. Up. Lie. <laughs> oh man! All right, so let's get to Lady Gaga before we get to the the, the songs and, and the charts and stuff. I yeah, I, I wrote a, a thing this week about basically how she's in the midst of a career reinvention, and because you know. Uh, as, as well as Art Pop did, it was a number one debut on the Billboard 200 chart. It did have a top 10 hit with applause. It, it was seen widely as a step back for her after the success of, you know, the fame monster and Born This Way. And what she's done since then um, has really kind of relied on the classics a little bit and dialed things back. Uh, first with Cheek to Cheek w- uh, with Tony Bennett and, um, you know, which which uh, she performed at the Grammys with, with Tony Bennett and didn't really have any kind of elaborate stage setup and did the same thing kind of here at the Oscars with this sound of music medley. She was more classic stuff, more, you know, anti-choreography and practically operatic. Yeah. And, and exactly showcasing her voice. Um, I mean, Keith, real quick, uh, what what do you think about this? Do you think that this kind of decision to go classic route uh, in terms of song style as well as performance style is, is working for Gaga? Well, as 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 we noted in the podcast with Tyler Oakley, uh, devout Lady Gaga stan, Tyler yeah. Oakley, I said, you know, the Cheek to Cheek album with Tony Bennett was a great way to remind people that truly Gaga can sing. And she has an amazing voice. And I think that, that people were distracted. And I noted this during our show, said people have been distracted by all of the bells and whistles and the, you know, art on top of the pop, as you pointed out in your piece. So I think 
I think if you asked her, she would just say these are different. You know, these are different uh, representations of my art and different you know, styles. And I really like these songs. And at the same time, I love you know going on stage and you know having some performance artists puke on me. I mean, you know, it, it's kind <laughs> of I, why can't I be all these things? Why can't I you know be glamorous and do jazz songs one day and then do like a heavy metal song the next day with you know another artist? You know, yeah, she she would probably say something like that. I would imagine. Yeah, Gaga is, is just kind of continuing to prove that she is impossible to pin down. And, and one thing we do know about her for sure that she's reminding people is that she's a tremendous musician. And, and it, it'll be interesting to see in terms of like a new album, what she, where she goes. And be, because like I said, it, Cheek to Cheek, a lot of people saw as a, a little bit of, of a detour. And you would kind of classify this Oscars performance in there as well. And it'll be interesting to see when she kind of gears up for album album time. I mean, she's uh, working with, with Red One, or she's at least, she was at least hanging out yeah. in the studio with Red One, who produced many of her early hits, like um, Just Dance. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's allegedly another Tony Bennett duets album, uh, you know, on the way. Um, he's mentioned that. You know, it's going to be Cole Porter songs, I guess. Yeah. So, another uh, cheek to another cheek. Another cheek. So who knows what can happen next? Did you see that... Uh, it was just announced that she's going to be on the next season of American Horror Stories. That came out like an hour ago. I saw the headline. I haven't read anything about it. What's the What's the deal with that? Fill Fill in our listeners. <laughs> I I don't really have any more info. Oh, okay. She's just okay. going to be. She's just going to be on. She you know she tweeted out that she's going to be on American Horror Story. She'll be like the next season's Adam Levine. Maybe I I don't know. Anyway, uh, Keith, back to the Oscars. Which songs are benefiting the most from? being featured on you know this four hour telecast was it four um, hours? that were the oscars it was, yeah, like, it was like it was about three and a half three and, a, half, three and a, three forty five somewhere around there wow it didn't seem quite that long um well the the biggest seller among all the songs and albums that were featured in the show at least the, like the, the, the main features was the song that won for best original song uh glory uh, from selma mm-hmm. uh, by common and john legend it sold uh, 28,000 downloads in the weekend in February 22nd, which was the night of the Academy Awards. So really, that sales figure only represents a couple hours worth of impact, and we'll see a bigger gain next week, probably once you know, we have a full seven days of impact. Um, but that gain, it was actually up 82%. Uh, collectively, the songs on the albums uh, represented in the show, which include... Um, all the nominees for Best Original Song, uh, the score albums, uh, you know, the songs that J-Hud and, and Lady Gaga performed, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, gained by 184% in sales, but still that only equated to 89,000 units. So it's not exactly a huge number. The number could be bigger next week, uh, but there's a story online on Billboard.com. Feel free to check it out and stay tuned for next week for more gains. Were you surprised to see such uh, significant bumps, uh, especially for Glory? No. No, I mean, I mean, these these are significant bumps, but they're small numbers. So, you know, when you're going from, you know, 2,000 to 28,000, it's like, woo, that's a big gain, <laughs> but, you know, like not really a large unit representation. Um, I would be more Very interested true. to see what happens next week. Um, you know, and in the coming weeks, you know, there's going to be a, a new Sound of Music uh, 50th anniversary reissue of, of their soundtrack coming up in the next week or two. I think it's March 10th. Um, so who knows? Maybe that album could do some big numbers thanks to the exposure from the Academy Awards. It's 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 sort of a halo effect. We'll see in the next few weeks how the continuing effect of all this stuff, hap- you know, carries out. 
we shall see. All right, man. We got to get to our new segment segment on the Pop Shop Podcast in which we discuss some songs not quite in the top 20 of the Hot 100 yet, but are headed in the right direction and could be hits before you know it. This is Soon to Be Hits. All right, man. What do we have in Soon to Be Hits this week? Uh, well, well uh, I guess I could start. Uh, I was going to start with, with Nick Jonas. Nick Jonas, friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. So therefore, if you've been on the show, that means we'll mention you later. Um, just <laughs> that's to, not that's not true. Just throwing that out there to any any artists that want to be on the show. <laughs> it pays off. Um, so Nick Jonas's single "Chains" is actually uh, making a run for the top twenty on the Billboard Hot 100. I will pull up its data in just one second. But what's really interesting about "Chains" is that it was actually the first single from his self-titled album and it kind of made a little bit of an impact um but didn't really do much it was more of sort of a social phenomenon and like the video came out like you know months and months and months and months ago but then jealous which was the second single from the album ended up being like the big hit like it went top 10 on the billboard hot 100 went to number two on our mainstream top 40 airplay chart also known as pop songs on billboard.com and so then they went back to Chains and started reworking Chains to radio. Um, and now, this week, Chains goes uh, 26 to 22 on the Pop Songs airplay chart. And then on the Billboard Hot 100 itself, it goes 56 to 42. So uh, Nick Jonas could be looking at another uh, big hit with Chains, which is actually the first single from his album, but now kind of the second single as well. Very cool, man. So my uh, choice for soon to be hits this week is Lilywood and Robin Schultz Prayer in C. It moves from number 29 to number 23. This has been creeping up the Hot 100 for a while now. I don't think we've mentioned it uh, before on the Pop Shop podcast, so a good time to do so right before it looks like it's going to crack the top 20. Uh, Lilywood is a French-Israeli duo uh, for those who uh, are unaware. And this is another Robin Schultz remix. He is a German uh, producer who recently scored a top 20 hit in the U.S. with Waves from Mr. Probs. That remix, which I loved, uh, was a, a top 20 hit last year. So this is this uh, Prayer and Sea is a uh, it was a smash overseas. It's it's slowly catching on in the U.S. It's kind of in that same vein as the Waves remix. Kind of like a thoughtful kind of downbeat dance song but it's it's um you know it it's kind of fitting in with that slowing of the tempo of of top 40 and it is almost a top 20 hit now well there you go um my second and final uh choice selection option this week is actually another former podcast guest as we noted if you're on the show it helps you um Ollie Murs with Wrapped Up. Now, the song is still probably a little bit away from charting on the Billboard Hot 100, but it is on the verge of debuting on our pop songs airplay chart, the song, uh, the, the chart I mentioned earlier with regards to Nick Jonas. It's just a couple hundred uh, spins, uh, airplay spins away from charting on the chart. The song features Travi McCoy, and it has... More than 50 uh, top 40 radio stations playing it right now. So it's still a little bit early on. But if you're able to break on to the mainstream top 40 airplay chart, as again, as I said, noted, uh, called Pop Songs on Billboard.com, then it 
it, it's probably you probably have a fairly decent chance of breaking onto the Billboard Hot 100 because you have widespread sort of all genre support. So it's a song to look out for. It'll still be a little bit before it probably hits the Hot 100, but uh, it's one to watch out for. Ollie Murs. Cool, man. All right, those are three songs on this week's soon to be hits. Also worth mentioning, uh, let, let's talk about the Selena Gomez and Zed single, I Want You To Know. We'll, we'll talk about it more next week. Let's save that for next week. Um, I, I could see it debuting pretty well on the Hot 100 next week, um, Keith. And yeah, let, let's save that Let's save that discussion for next week. That's a little teaser. We're, we're going we're gonna to say that the, the thing exists, and then we're not even going to talk about it at all. Exactly. It yeah. is out there in the world. It is not on the charts yet. But you never know if it it could be next week. It could very well be next week. Zed, Selena Gomez, two big names. Let's get to another big name. Tori Kelly stopped by the Pop Shop podcast this week. Um, and it was a blast chatting with her about her upcoming debut album uh, coming out soon. It might be in the spring. Uh, might be a little bit later. We shall see. She called it. Uh, she said it was coming out soon. And she's been an artist to watch uh, for a while now. I actually asked her about that. Um, she has a new single, Nobody Love. And, um, you know, which, which has really grown on me. I've been listening to it a lot in the past couple days and it's, it's definitely grown on me, Keith. And, uh, her album was executive produced by Max Martin. She talked about working with him. Definitely one to watch. Here is Tori Kelly on the Pop Shop Podcast. I feel like you have been pegged as an artist to watch for months and maybe years. And I, oh. I've you know, li- been listening to your music for a while. Thank and you. I feel like I, I, if I were you, I, I'd be so, so anxious to get this music out and go from artist to watch to artist really, you know. That you're watching. <laughs> artist that you're actively watching. Yeah. Exactly. Do you feel like that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel... It's like nervous slash excited for like this, this whole first part of the year has been like, oh my gosh, the album's actually being finished finally. Cause that's, that's really been like the main dream for me as a kid even was just put out an album and I've sort of teased myself and everybody with these little EPs that I've put out, um, which I'm super thankful for that I got to do that. But now it's like, wow, this is actually for real this time so there's a little more pressure for sure um just having people kind of throw titles at me like that artists to watch and stuff but yeah. at the same time it makes me just want to um be like super focused and it gives me even more drive like to really do it for real <laughs> well for people who have enjoyed your first two eps how much progression are we going to hear on the album when it comes out I, but I, it's coming out this spring right um, yeah, nothing confirmed okay. or anything yet, but um, definitely soon definitely is soon. all I can tell okay. you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at the soon. Yeah, but, soon, uh, but... the worst word ever. <laughs> um, no, I think I think it's I've definitely grown a lot since the EPs, and uh, I don't I don't want people to think that I'm departing from a certain sound or I'm just throwing the guitar away and like becoming this other thing because that's still very much a part of me but I think what what um what people are gonna see is that little girl who dreamt of doing uh, it's, it's a little bit more mainstream I'm doing the 
the two fingers. <laughs> How, what would you call this? What even the is air that? quotes? The air quotes. Yeah. yeah, a little bit more um, on the pop mainstream side, but I don't. I don't think that's necessarily um, a bad thing. I'm actually really excited to kind of experiment with that world a bit more and still have that singer songwriter acoustic feel. So it's kind of like a, a mixture of everything, and it's all woven together on the album through soul there's a lot of soulfulness on it so yeah it's like a melting pot of all my favorite music <laughs> now i i'm excited because i know you worked closely with max martin on this project yeah, yeah what kind of advice did he give you now when you guys first started working together what kind of guidance did he provide in terms of putting this project together um well working with him was um, a little bit intimidating for me at first just because of how much of a legend he is. <laughs> I was like kind of nervous. He, he won so his I'm first Grammy. Yeah, he I know. I know. So cool. Um, yeah, I congratulated him and everything that day. I was surprised he even like texted back too because it's such a crazy day, I'm yeah. sure, for him. I was like, oh my gosh. That's cool <laughs> um, to get that. But yeah, working with him was a huge honor because I've been a fan of his forever. It's like NSYNC, Britney stuff. So um, the fact that he's like still killing it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy clearly is doing everything right. So um, I I was really I was pleasantly surprised to to find out that it wasn't um, it wasn't like the song was already laid out for me and already perfectly radio friendly, mm -hmm. and I just had to walk in and sing it. I, I was really happy to find out that. Um, that I got to be super involved, and if anything, I was I was really leading those sessions, and he was there to um, to really make sure that I was like putting myself into these songs. So that was really great, and I, and it kind of clicked for me then, like, oh, this is why so many artists love working with him and say only great things about him because he genuinely cares about um, making the type of songs that you want to make. So yeah, yeah, working with him was was really cool, and he he helped sort of. Um, give the album like that the boost of pop sprinkly fairy dust that it needed i'm curious about the single nobody love um yeah. it is uh it's been out a couple weeks, and, yeah. and people are really seeming to latch on to this song. Where did this song lyrically come from for you? Uh, for me, the the hook was kind of there as a template already, mm -hmm. and uh, they played it for me. I was like, oh, I really like this. How can, how can we make this work? And so for me, the challenge was really to um, make it a little bit deeper and, and have some sort of like... Um, yeah, I guess just like some depth to it. So, um, cause I still wanted to keep like the lighthearted funness about it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was important for me to have those type of songs on the album too. Just like songs that you want to dance to. And so for me, the song, um, I kind of, my kind of approach to it was, I felt like in this generation, um, as a, as a young person, I feel like we're always sort of chasing after the next thing and searching for, um, whatever, like the hottest fling is or something and like kind of moving on from one thing to the next, whether it's like an actual thing or even like with a person. And so, um, the song really just talks about like the type of love that is just grounded and is solid and it's like not going anywhere. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like the, the back 
the backbone to the song. That's where I pull from when I'm when I'm performing it. Are there yeah. going to be some some heartbreak songs on this album as well? Yeah, for sure, for sure. There's there's um there's the love songs, there's the the sad sappy songs and okay. um and then there's even like the life songs I like to call them of just um kind of songs about like my journey thus far as an artist and just my career rejection and stuff like that. Okay, thanks again to Tori Kelly for stopping by. It was great chatting with her and be on the lookout for her debut album coming soon. Keith, are you ready, man? Yes, I think. For your chart stat of the week. Hey, so our chart stat of the week is actually about someone we just talked about earlier on in the show, Lady Gaga. Heyo. Heyo. So actually this week in 2011, um, on uh, the chart dated February 26th, 2011, Lady Gaga scored the 1,000th number one single on the Billboard Hot 100 chart yep. with Born This Way. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've obviously had more number ones since then, but when the song went to number one, we reached out to Gaga and uh, she told us that it is a tremendous honor uh, to be a number one on the, the Billboard Hot 100 with, with the 1,000th number one single. She said, to be the 1,000th number one on Billboard, I would be silly not to say this is the greatest honor of my career. Well, that's very nice of her. Um, she said, I am so humbled and so honored and overwhelmed by the reception to Born This Way. It has been so life-changing for me as an artist. And between Billboard and the international number ones and the radio numbers, I couldn't be more blessed to have the fans that I have. Um, of course, that song uh, you know, previewed um, the, her... her uh, uh, her next album, uh, which of course debuted at number one and it sold a bajillion copies, and you know there were a string of hits after that, and uh, but it was a pretty enormous milestone to have our one thousandth number one, and she was on the cover of Billboard that week with a really cool photo. It was black and white. And she had this cool cape, and it was it she was had a shoe on her head. Yeah, it, w- it was a shoe. Was that it? It was. Uh, yeah, it was a very cool photo. Very striking. So anyway, th- that's all, that's it. It's, it's a short. It's a short, simple one this week. Uh, you know, this this week in 2011, Lady Gaga had the 1,000th number one single on the Billboard Hot 100 with "Born This Way." Keith, do you? This is uh, this is going to be a pop quiz for you. Yep. Do you remember what the 900th and 99th number one was on the Hot 100? Um, what "Born This Way" replaced at number one? Well, I'll I'll tell you, I, and I kind of no 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 no. I, I want you to. I, I don't want you to look it up. I, I want want to see if you I have kinda, any guesses. I, I kind of. I I'm thinking that it was something really kind of dippy. Um, dippy. <laughs> because well, no, I'm I'm trying. I think it was something kind of lame, and I think maybe in my head I was like, definitely oh, pl- wasn't lame. I was like, please don't let that be like our one thousandth number one. It was like stupid. I was rooting for this to be our one thousandth number one. It was Black and Yellow by Wiz Khalifa and uh, a song. That I still really enjoy, and I talked to him uh, when the song went number one, and he was like, he was obviously astonished, and I was like, oh man, you missed it by one. You would have been the thousandth number one. He's like, he's like, yeah, Lady, and and that was right after Born This Way came out. And he's like, yeah, Lady Gaga is probably gonna get that thousandth number one, and indeed she did. Yeah. So Keith, thank you for your chart out of the week. Yeah.
All right, man, that is going to do it for us at the Pop Shop Podcast this week. Tune in next week for more chart goodness. We'll be talking about Selena Gomez. We might have a very special guest next week. Uh, we shall see. Keith, do you have any parting words? I do not. All right, man, let's go out. Uh, it's Lady Gaga's week. It's her time to shine. Put your paws up. This is Born This Way. Thanks for listening and take care. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.